This is episode 157. Trust yourself, stop caring what others think, and feel your feelings with Steve. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is another episode that has a video recording as well. The link for that is in the show notes, so you can either listen like you normally do and like you are now on iTunes or whatever listening device you use, or you can go and watch me coach Steve on the YouTube link. I also really would love for you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Christine Hassler. The more subscribers we get, then I get to actually have access to a YouTube studio in Los Angeles and record more content for all of you. I like to start these podcasts sharing a little something from my life that I think might have an insight for you. I'm recording this in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I just gave two keynotes to large groups of attorneys. And attorneys, for the most part, are pretty stressed out. They have big jobs and they spend their day assessing right and wrong and in essence, looking for blame. And so I really meditated on what I could share with them that would be impactful. One of my talks was on bridging generational gaps and understanding millennials and the new generations coming into the workplace. But I also was talking to them about managing stress. And the challenge really for me was to present them with a new way of thinking. And I shared with them, like I often share with you on the show, that a miracle is a change in perception. And although that judgment, that good, bad, right, or wrong, may be helpful in their legal professions, that internalizing that lawyer brain is not so good for their mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And that applies to you listening as well, whether you're an attorney or not. We live in a world where we're quick to blame. We're quick to look at black and white, right and wrong. And in some ways, that's useful. Our logical mind, our judgmental mind is useful. I like to say our discerning mind more than our judgmental. But if we internalize that too much, if we become that lawyer in our own head, looking for guilt, looking for blame, we're just going to end up more and more depleted and we're going to stay more in our head and not have access to our intuition and our feelings, which is where so much of the clarity and the guidance really is. So if you notice that you have become a little bit of a lawyer in your head, either making yourself wrong or looking for who you can make wrong or looking for blame, I really encourage you to be more accepting. Turn that lawyer brain off to stop looking at good, bad, right, or wrong and have more of a spiritual lens in the way you see things. That doesn't have anything to do with religion. It has to do with acceptance and not looking for good, bad, right, or wrong but really looking from the highest perspective, from what can I learn from this? How is this serving me? How can I seek to understand this person and this situation rather than to blame or make right or wrong? So just think about that and consider it. And the next time you find yourself being a bit of a lawyer in your own brain, forgive yourself, get to acceptance and seek to understand. Before we get into this episode, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, 
which is express clothing. So when your billable hours, speaking of lawyers, start running into your happy hours, there's no time for an outfit change. Rewrite the rules of dressing for the job with style for work at Express. These fashion forward pieces are designed to make syncing your professional schedule and personal life a lot easier. And you don't have to be a lawyer or work in corporate America to take advantage of this. Shop style for work at Express and go from your first meeting to your last call without compromising your personal style. You can go to Express to check out all the best pants, work tops, blazers, and dresses. You can get the newest look for work or whatever event you have on your calendar. Even better, you can shop more sizes and styles than ever. And Express has a special offer for my listeners where you can get those columnist pants or essential shirts that Express is known for. Go to express.com and get $25 off when you spend $100 on anything using code Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Again, express.com, $25 off when you spend $100 on anything using code Christine. Enjoy your shopping, everybody. Falls around the corner. It might be time for a new wardrobe. In this episode, I'm joined by Steve, and we cover a lot of ground in this episode. As usual, the initial question (laughs) was a kickoff, but we went in a lot of different directions. And so if you're at a point in your life where you felt like you've done a lot of work and you were really feeling good, but then all this other stuff started to come up, you're not going to want to miss this episode. We get to it a little bit later in the coaching session, but basically another level of Steve's pain and old issues that he felt like he dealt with a long time ago were resurfacing. And that's because he really is at the point where he's ready to deal with them. And the heart of this episode is really about self-compassion, which is so, so, so important for all of us. And self-compassion isn't just mental understanding of something. It's actually feeling the compassion for ourselves. So as you're watching this episode, consider, do you really feel like you hit a point where things were going well, but then all kinds of old stuff started to come up? If you're a man, do you have a little difficulty with feeling vulnerable? Do you judge it as weakness? And even if you're not a man, is vulnerability something that's a little awkward for you? Perhaps it's okay for other people to be vulnerable and you can be compassionate with them, but it's a little harder for you. Next, do you trust yourself? Like really deeply trust yourself. Do you trust your decisions? Do you feel safe with your pain? Like when you feel emotions, do you feel like you can really hold a space of compassion. And finally, do you sometimes jump to forgiveness too quickly? Are you able to mentally understand and justify things that have happened in your life, but yet you still notice the pain is there? Like mentally you've forgiven something, but you don't feel totally free from it. So keep those things in mind as you watch my coaching session with Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thanks for having me. Um, I've been kind of struggling with this thing that I have going on where I feel like I've lived my whole life where I haven't cared what people thought of me. Okay. And I've always had to prove myself that I was my own person. But for some reason within the past several months, I feel like I'm starting to care what people think of me. And for some reason, because I've lived my whole life with that mindset that I needed to 
go against the grain right. that I needed to prove myself. I don't know, for some reason, it bothers me sometimes. Um, what, that you care now what people think of you? Yeah. Well, is it really true that you haven't cared in the past what people thought of you? Is that, think about that for a second, is that really true? Possibly not. All right, so do you know why I'm asking that? Mm -mm. Because you said, I have to prove, I have to go against the grain. Mm -hmm. So even the attachment to show that you're different, there is a care about how you're perceived. Because if truly, truly, if you were truly indifferent to what people thought of you, if it wasn't a concern at all, then that need to prove and that need to stand out or that need to be different or go against the grain or whatever wouldn't be there. You'd just be authentically you. Right, right. So it's, it's sort of the same pattern that's running with just like a different belief on top of it. Mm. So I think right now, maybe why it's bothering you so much is because what feels like a new thing really has been there a long time. And so you're probably reaching the tipping point of it being so frustrating and so limiting that you're, you want to shift it. Because in order for us to make the big shifts that are the major pattern breakers in our life, we have to get to a point where we're super uncomfortable. Mm. You, know, you probably heard me say before, people don't come to me and sit down in this chair and go, everything's, I feel amazing. Right. Let's just have a chat. Right. There's something that leads to the change. Right. So what's, what are you thinking as I'm saying this? I never even thought about that, that like all my life, like I've tried to been different, but I actually did care what people thought of me, which made me want to be different. Right. Because like you said, if, if I didn't care what people thought of me, like I wouldn't even be thinking how I lived my life was any different. Like I wouldn't care exactly. that I was different. You'd just be you. I would just be me. So, so let's go back to that decision you made to be different, to go against the grain. Mm -hmm. Why? Why did you decide that that was the way you wanted to be? Why did you decide that that was the way to be in the world? I think like my first significant time where I felt I had to be different was when I joined the gang, when okay. I was 16 years old. Okay, and why'd you join a gang? Because I saw a lot of the people that, a lot of my friends who I, grew up with from elementary school and we're going through junior high and high school, I saw a lot of them getting bullied. Mm -hmm. I saw them not getting maybe respect mm -hmm. from people. And I grew up in Hawaii. So the school that I went to, it was kind of like, kind of like a gladiator academy mm -hmm. where you had to prove how tough you were mm. to get respect mm -hmm. if you weren't perceived as like a starting football player or right. somebody that could handle themselves in a fight or somebody who was just intimidating you would get bullied you would get hijacked okay and i didn't want that for me right so i felt like i had to become somebody different right that Maybe I didn't want to be, but I think I was more terrified of just getting my ass kicked and being perceived as like a wimp than to stay true to myself and stay with the friends that I had 
from when I grew up to now. So I completely just went off my rails and did that. And then my whole life just spiraled like downhill from that decision. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I thought that that was the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was going to get the respect that I craved. I wasn't going to get beaten up. And life was going to change. So what's the emotion that's coming up right now? Just not depression, but just I kind of feel bad that I wasn't my true self when I was 16 years old. And if I was my true self, I probably would have made different decisions, maybe. Well, but what's important for... So it's easy to look back at, you know, your current age and say, why didn't I just, why didn't I just stay true to myself? But when something's attached to survival, you really thought if you didn't become this tough guy, something would happen to you or someone you care about. So then it didn't feel like a choice at all. Like looking back on it, you're saying I made a decision. Right. In my listening to you, it didn't sound like it was actually a choice. It felt like a have to. It yeah. felt like you had to do this to survive. I did. It felt like that. Right. So can you have a lot of compassion for yourself for that choice? That, like, you had to? That's something that I struggle with. Mm. Like, a lot of times, like, we say, like, we're our worst, our worst critic. Yeah. And I've been really working on self-work, like, this past year. And one thing that I've been working on is to have more grace for myself and more, like you said, compassion. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it's still something I struggle with. Well, yeah. Well, let's... We'll get to that in a second. I want to kind of look at this forgiveness about this decision and true acceptance with it. Because there is an element of self-betrayal in that decision that you made. That's kind of... It's, it's more of an unconscious thing. But on some level, when we feel like we betrayed who we truly are, there's, there can be a massive judgment along that. And a lack of trust in oneself. Mm. And if we don't trust ourselves then it's really hard to have compassion for ourselves. Because if we don't feel safe inside ourselves, how do you feel compassion, right? Like, if you didn't feel safe with me, do you feel safe with me in this moment? Yeah. Do you trust me? Yes. Okay, so then can you feel my compassion? Yes. If you didn't feel safe, if you thought I might betray you, if you didn't trust me, and then I tried to be compassionate, would that work? I'd shut down. Boom. You just nailed it. So you shut down to your own compassion... Because there's levels of self-doubt. Because at some point back here, it could have been 16, it could have been even sooner, you went against who you truly are. There's a self-betrayal in that that you haven't quite forgiven. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah. And then, you know, from 16, there's that compounding effect of developing this persona of who you thought you needed to be to to fit in, to stay safe, to protect, all of that kind of thing without really living your life according to who you truly are. And it seems like you're at the point now where you want to be done with that, which is a great point to be, which is a great point to be. So let's go back to that 16-year-old who was, you use the word made a choice, but it seems like you, what's a better way to hold that? I... Because to me, it's like you... you it's, it's a compensatory strategy. You found a way to survive. Yeah, like, I, like the thing that came up was not this dramatic, but to me it felt life and death. Exactly. It, it, it was. Yeah. And when something is life and death, it doesn't feel that much like a choice. It feels right. like I, 
I have to do this, otherwise I die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was that urgent, it was that important. And so what would you go back and say to that 16-year-old? It's okay mm-hmm. that you made this you made this decision in your life and not to be hard on yourself right. because you were in a place where it was survival and it yeah. was it was life and death and you had to make this choice and at the time this was the best decision that Absolutely. you could make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's what's also brilliant about this because a lot of times when we make a decision like that, we only look at the costs. Mm. Okay? So would you say that you have judgment on yourself because you feel like you've been living a little out of integrity in terms of who you truly are? Yeah. Okay. Could you, and you're looking at, okay, I, I developed all these sort of ways of being that weren't really authentic to me. Could you look at how this choice and going into more of this kind of defender, it's, it's like an archetype of being a man that's more like fight, protect, defend, be tough, join a gang. There's a belonging to it. Right. Okay. And you can look at, you can judge that. You can look at all the ways that that was against who you are. But what did you learn from that? What, what kind of things did it develop in you as a man that actually aren't so bad? That even though it may be in a context as negative by being in a gang. Yeah. Like, I take that experience into my life now where my community, my, my tribe, my friends, like, they're really an important part of my life, which up until this year, like, it wasn't a huge priority for me. Mm-hmm. It was just part of my life. But now, like, they're pretty much, like, the most important part of my life yeah. over a lot of things besides myself, like, taking care of myself like my relationships in my life, similar to what it was in 16 years old, it's that really important loyalty, to me. That, that, that loyalty, exactly. that protecting. Um, and the reason I'm asking this, Steve, is because you sort of split mm. when you made that decision. There was the core, and I'm going to guess in terms of your core essence, you're empathic, you're sensitive, you're creative, you're loving, all things that I think men aren't encouraged to be as much. Right. 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 And so that felt really weak and that felt really vulnerable to you. And so it kind of was like, well, put that aside and let me just be this tough guy that joins a gang. And so you sort of split into these two parts. And now you're wanting to kind of come back to, to your true essence, but you want to throw all this away. And instead of jumping between these two, both this compensatory strategy identity that you've developed for survival and your core essence of who you are, how can you integrate them? Um, it's a great question. Like, I was thinking, because I'm, I'm working on becoming a life coach, and yep. one of the things that I feel is my strong points is my ability to relate to so many different people. And I've already used what I've dealt with from the first part of my life through now in the context that I'm able to help parents that are dealing with troubled kids. I'm yep. able to help... Um, young teenagers get a different viewpoint on what they're doing because I was in that same situation mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe their parents mm-hmm. who never never were a part of that culture. They can't understand it. And they can't understand it. So their kids don't feel their parents relate to me right. or relate to them. But like I feel like I'm able to get, like you said, to the essence of people 
like their motivation in this behavior in a faster way. So how much in your power do you feel right now when you're talking? I feel pretty, pretty powerful. Are you, were you judging yourself just then when you were sharing that? No, no. So the parts just integrated when you were talking about that. Yeah. You had that warrior spirit mm. and you also had the compassion. Now, now it's about turning it on yourself and giving yourself that because my, I'm wondering if, again, there's still a fear about weakness because it was wired in your brain a long time ago that vulnerability is weakness and I could die. It wasn't just like, I'm going to be judged. It was, I could get beat up. I could lose a friend. I mean, it was attached to something pretty severe. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so for you, I think to have, to get to that level of self-compassion, there's a degree of vulnerability that you have to allow inside yourself and, and at the same time, hold a safe space for yourself to do that. And as long as you're judging yourself, it's not going to feel safe. And so it's going to be hard to go to vulnerability because that wiring of this is weak, I may die, is going to fire up. So from my point of view, that really is the inner work for you, is really getting to that place of what you might judge as weakness, what you might perceive as weakness, or as putting yourself in a, in, in a feeling that feels like vulnerability, mm. but also at the same time feeling strength. That's the other part of the integration. Is that making sense? Yeah, it does. And um, repeat back to me what you're hearing me say. Like the my vulnerability, like like it's not really it's not really a weakness. Like it's it's a sense of strength. Right now, your your adult brain knows mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but the unconscious part of you and the 16 year old and younger mm-hmm. doesn't quite trust that yet. So, how do you get that part to trust that? To give, to give him grace, to give him compassion, yep. that it's okay to, to be vulnerable. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not weak, yeah. and you need to embrace it. Yeah, you, know? you go into the pain. Yeah. You go into the pain, but you leave a judgment behind. Mm-hmm. You go into the pain, not, not forever. You, just, you get to do this a few times, yeah. and you work with it, and you go into it with self-compassion. And then you do the forgiveness. Yeah. And you know how to do that because you're a coach and you yeah. do it with other people. So I know you know how to do that. Yeah. But how do, how do you think it's going to impact your business as a coach if you start to trust yourself more? It's going to show in how, how I show up to people. Um, it's going to give people the courage to, to go do deep dives, yeah. to go really deep into whatever it is that they're struggling with. Yeah. And... Um, I feel like it's going to like maybe inspire people right. who don't see the possibilities of ever doing that because they're terrified that they can feel like it's, it's okay to do that. Well, it's an energetic. Yeah. It's not going to matter so much what you say to people, but they're going to feel it and they're going to feel safe to go into their pain if you have a safety and a degree of comfort with your own. Right. How much of your pain have you really dived into? A lot. Good. Because um, I have like, like I feel like that is just one piece of it. Um, right. Probably the biggest piece that I've, it took me months to work on this past year and years to deal with was when my girlfriend was murdered and I was dealing with that. How old were you when that happened? I was 20. Yeah. And 
but I, it took me up to this past year to actually deal with it, that I, it wasn't my fault. But I dug deep and like I shared it like with a hundred people, yeah. bawling my eyes out. And yeah. it felt like the first time it was like released. Yeah. And um, that was something that I, I finally came to grips with that yeah. it wasn't my fault. And then, no. um, that was probably the worst pain that I've really done the most work with. And the other pain was just dealing with my, my dad, not really feeling he's, he loved me. Right. Um, but I feel like those three things were like probably the most things that I've dealt with this past year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really acknowledge you for that. Thanks. That's, that's a lot. And, you know, ugh. with your girlfriend getting murdered, mm-hmm. not only is it the, the grief of the murder and all of that, but yeah. here from 16 to 20, you developed this operating system that you thought kept you and people you love safe. Right. And then it didn't. Right. So not only is there the grief, but then there's this whole sort of almost identity crisis and way of being a crisis of, wow, this strategy didn't work. So usually kind of what will happen until you deal with it, which I can feel that you have been, mm-hmm. is then it just gets stronger and stronger. Like you have to up the ante on how fierce you are, how protective you are, how much you don't trust the world, how much you don't trust other people. Mm-hmm. Do you see how it kind of got it worse after that situation? Yeah. 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 And it's just, like, I feel like I've done a lot of work on myself. Like, I've sacrificed a lot. I've put a lot of time. And so that's kind of why I was struggling with the fact that, man, I put in all this work, um, dealt with a lot of grief, trauma, um, confidence issues and I felt like I was at my best but then when these things were coming up this past month it was like it was like man like why is this still bothering me after I felt like I was at my best you know because it's exactly that our our unconscious our soul whatever you want to say will only bring up the hard stuff the really hard stuff when when our psyche feels like it can handle it so I'm not surprised you felt like you were at your best mm-hmm. and you felt like you are at your strongest yeah. and then all this came up. Mm. Because it's really hard when you're at rock bottom and then more shit comes up. Mm. So I don't want you to hold it as you regressed or you were backtracking. Okay. It was like you reached a readiness inside yourself. You're just next leveling. You're just next leveling. So it was just waiting for me to yes. get to this point for me to deal with just yes. the rest or more. Yes of my emotions that yes. I needed to deal with. Yes, and there may be more layers. We're never done. Yeah. You know, and, and you've had some pretty significant things. I mean, especially as a man having a father that you never felt loved you, yeah. love is attached to survival too. Yeah. So you've probably developed a lot of strategies on how you get love and how you fit into the world and all that kind of stuff. And so now it's... And this is the other thing I just want you to be mindful of mm-hmm. is sometimes we go into a coaching or helping profession mm-hmm to then get our love through helping others. Mm-hmm. Like we never felt like anyone was there for us. So we're going to be there for other people. And maybe that's how we'll get our love bucket filled. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that as you pursue this path of coaching, mm-hmm. that you really become that inner father to yourself. Like what that looks like. Like what do you, what didn't you feel from your father that you wish you had? Just um, closeness. Like I could sit in a room with him for an hour for breakfast and he would just read his newspaper, not look up. And I guess like I was invisible. Yeah. So to be, I guess, seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of my friends' dads would take us all surfing. 
and he never did that. So like, just to feel like he's a part of my life with my friends, that would have been nice too. Um, Is he still alive? No, he passed away, but I wrote him like a letter sharing like everything that was painful in my life that I wish he did. But the funny thing is, like halfway through my letter, I started writing from hurt and hate to love and compassion. Yeah. Because I, I, I flew back to Hawaii to bury him, not going there to bury my dad, but to bury the man. Right. Because I felt like if, if I went there to bury my dad, I would have never gotten on a plane because I had all this hate. Yes. And, but I went there just to serve him as a man and pay my respects and take care of everything. And when I left there, I felt like I got more out of that than I actually gave to him. Right. So I got more back to myself. Yeah. So the whole time we've been sitting here, I'm just aware of like these tears that are behind your eyes. Mm-hmm. What's stopping them from coming out? I don't know. I feel like there's certain times in my life where I get very emotional. Um, and there's certain times like it just feels like it just doesn't come out. I don't know. Like when I talk about my girlfriend and I talk about like how she's such an inspiration to me, like I get, inspir- I get emotional. But when I talk about my dad, I don't know, like I feel good, but I don't get emotional. You don't? I don't. You did? Yeah. I don't know. I just... It's a different feeling that I feel inside when I talk about both of them. Sure. Well, sure. Because one, one you view as really hurting you. Yeah. And, and the, the girlfriend doesn't have the same charge. as, as it's, it's different. It's still pain. It's still loss. But it's just different. Right? So the, the, here's my encouragement to you, Steve. Because yeah. what I feel in your presence is that there's still like a lot of pain that needs to come out, Mm. but be held in the space of compassion. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that you comfort yourself and and deal with your pain is because you have a lot of awareness, is you get to the awareness and forgiveness maybe a little too quickly. Mm. Okay. So spend a little more time. I'm not saying sit around and suffer for years and years, Mm -hmm. but there's a... Like, I feel the emotion coming out. Yeah. But then I feel your mind coming in with yeah. the awareness. Yeah. And almost, and almost coaching it. Hmm. Instead of just letting it... Just come, come out. out. Yeah. 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 Because the other thing that happens when we have a parent whose approval and attention we're always fighting for is we become very... Like, there's a part of us that's experiencing what we're experiencing, but then there's this observer part of us that's always watching us Mm -hmm. because we're always mindful of, like, how our parent is. Am I getting the attention? Am I getting the validation? So it's like there's a part of us living the experience, and then there's a part of us other tracking what our parent is doing or not doing. So so do you see what I mean? Like, you have the emotional part, and then you have the tracking part. Right, right. And I want you to ditch the tracking part and just be with the pain and be with compassion. Yeah, I think with all the work that I put in, when pain comes up, you're right. Like, I'm looking at it from a personal development brain to, like, a coach's brain. I'm like, how can I fix this? 
but I'm not really thinking about, like you said, just letting it just come out, yep. you know? And I think that's how, that's, that's exactly how my mindset is. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of times people want, okay, what's steps A through Z? And my intention with you right now is just to get you to the next, the next level, mm. right? Yeah. Next level. And so from my point of view, the next level is really allowing the, the pain to come up, but greet it with compassion so that you can again find that strength in vulnerability and in compassion because that's a big piece of who you are mm. and that is going to help integrate the self-trust again. Because if you don't trust yourself, Steve, to be with the depth of your pain, then how are you ever going to trust yourself with anything? Right. Like if you don't trust that you can ride the, ride the waves of your pain and come out okay mm-hmm. and not judge yourself and not analyze yourself but just have compassion for yourself then how will you ever reach the levels of self-acceptance that you yearn for? It's going to be impossible. Because right. your pain isn't you, but it's part of you. Right. And this is something you have to learn because you didn't have a parent, especially a father, who modeled that for you. But that doesn't mean it's not possible. Do you feel like it's possible to live with pain and trauma, like that extreme, through your life <clears throat> and still live, like, a happy life? Because, like, I view, like, I needed to deal with my trauma, my pain, and I needed to get through it to where it's out of me. But do you feel like it's just, it's ingrained in me and it's, it's always going to be a part of me, but there's ways where I can use it to live a healthy life? Well, what do you think? I think, I think it's a part of me. Like, I'm not saying it's holding me back, but it's my history. Well, it's holding you back right now because you're suppressing it. So it's, here's, here's the thing. It will always be part of your story. It will always be part of what shapes your experiences. But how it lives inside of you is your choice. Our pain can live inside of us as this like repressed ball of energy that we never let out. So we constantly, it's, it's still running our unconscious. And we're still making choices and behavior that's driven by the pain. Mm. But all pain, pain wants love. Healing is the application of love to the place inside that hurts. So the pain just wants to be loved and to be nurtured and have compassion. And when the pain is related to that way, then it's not an alarm system anymore. Then it doesn't run our choices. Our choices become more conscious because the pain isn't having us make bad choices or out of alignment choices. See, pain inspires out of alignment choices, choices that make us don't feel good, behavior patterns that are just kind of running an old operating system because it's continuing to try to get our attention, mm-hmm. that it wants to come out, that it wants compassion. But once it has that, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I don't need to run the show here anymore. I can still, ex- you know, I can still exist as part of a story and as something that gives me empathy. Like, my pain gives me depths of compassion and I can hold a lot of space. Yeah. But that's, I can hold a lot of space for pain, but that's because I've held a lot of space for my own pain. Mm. So it doesn't run me anymore. Yeah. It doesn't run my choices. My choices are more conscious. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think what I've struggled with is I wanted to eliminate the pain, like completely. Right. You just want to annihilate it. I wanted yeah. to annihilate it because it was so painful. Like it was like a cancer that I just wanted to get out of my body right. forever right. and, and not, not have to think about it ever again. And Well, see, that's that like kind of like fighter masculine energy 
that, and of course you want to do that with pain because you decided at a young age that that kind of uh, gang energy yeah. was how you dealt with things and right. how you survive. Right. So of course you want to apply to the pain. Right. However, the opportunity here is to bring more of that, we can call it feminine, we can call, we'll just call it like the gentler, more nurturing, compassionate, it's really holding the space. It's not fighting it. It's not annihilating it. It's not going after it and killing it and slaying it. It's like, it's like come on, pain. I'm here. It's welcoming it. Mm. It's not making it your enemy. Yeah. I like that word, welcoming it. Yeah. It's your teacher, not your enemy. Mm. It's one of your teachers. Pain isn't our only teacher. Yeah. It's funny that I'm, I'm able to, to harness a lot of that. I'm able to see that in a lot of people when they're dealing with it. But it's like, it's like I was blinded. Like I had a blind spot with myself, but I could see everything in other people. I could feel it. I could see it. And I could help people deal with things, but like I had a blind spot with yeah. my own pain. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can help others, you can help yourself. And that's the work. Be the compassionate coach, the loving father, the wise teacher to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the work here. That's the work. You can do that. Yes, I know you can. Don't be afraid of the pain. And don't try to annihilate it. Welcome it. So what's your action step moving forward? Um, to really to really focus on not just thinking analytically when I'm dealing with just things that I may get emotional about or may have some depth Mm -hmm. to me in anger, sadness, or whatever, and not, like you said, try to coach it to come up with strategies and things and just let it, just let it loose. Do you have expectation hangover or do you have a personal mastery course? Um... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do the emotional section. Okay. Do the release writing. Do the temper tantrum technique. Okay. See how far you can get on your own. And then this is also a time when we're dealing with this is to find teachers and guides that can hold the space for it. You know, some men's work might be really good for you too. Okay. So that you can be in the energy of men expressing pain, not in a fighting way. Mm-hmm. Because the way that most men have expressed pain in their life is through fighting, through annihilating, through whatever. That's been the that's been the way out, mm-hmm. which only like recycles it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is also a time to ask for help. I actually, um, after I saw Tony Robbins, like I hired a coach. Great. So I have a coach that. But make sure it's not a coach that's coaching you here. Yeah. Yeah. You need someone that can go into the battlefield with you. Yeah. Okay. And let you just the talk, talk, talk is you've talked about this enough. Now it's time to feel it and express it. Okay. How do you feel in this moment? I feel good. I feel like um, I got like a lot of different perspectives that like I didn't think about before. Um, like I, I really like that word where you said welcoming, welcoming the pain yeah. and to really feel grace for, like you said, the inner father. Which brings me to my last question. What kind of father do you want to be to yourself? Compassionate, loving, present, patient, unselfish, loyal, Mm. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. 
those are the ones that come up for me. Yeah. So a little write-in assignment for you. Write those qualities down and then a description of what that looks like. Okay. So you really get a good picture in your head and a good feeling, you know, attach it to feeling too about what really being a loving father to yourself looks like and feels like. You're doing that for others, Steve. Now it's time for you. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. I know you can. Yeah. I know you can. Yeah. Yeah. Next level, compassion. Yes. And then in, in that, then you get to the, the real authentic self-forgiveness and you get back to the self-trust. Yeah, because you didn't do anything wrong and none of this was your fault. And you've made the decisions in your life that you needed to make yeah. to survive. But now you have more awareness and more consciousness. So the decisions are going to be coming from a more healthy, conscious place. And that's just the natural part of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I acknowledge your courage. Thank you. I acknowledge your vulnerability. I see a man sitting in front of me who has tremendous strength and tremendous courage and also depth and compassion and a beautiful heart. So it's time to open that heart again. Not just for other people, but for you. That's what I need to work on. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that is what I'm doing. <laughs> that is what I'm. That is what I'm doing. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so I really acknowledge Steve's vulnerability in this episode. It was great practice for him to be in a space of self-compassion and vulnerability. And you could probably see as you were watching the episode, the same thing that I saw and experienced is that throughout the whole time we were together, there were tears that he was fighting. Like I could see his eyes welling up. And so that, that repressed emotion was an indicator to me that there was still a lot of pain there. And Steve consciously, probably unconsciously, throughout his life is fighting that pain from coming up. And it takes a lot of energy to repress pain. And that's why sometimes it feels hard. It feels hard to move forward in our life. It feels hard to get a career off the ground. It feels hard to connect in relationships because unconsciously what we're doing is we're repressing a lot of pain because pain wants to come up and out. Our, our terrible memories, our trauma, our body doesn't want to hold that inside. Our unconscious mind really wants to let that go. So it will continue to make us feel uncomfortable until we deal with it, not just mentally, but emotionally as well. So, so much of my encouragement to Steve was to go into the pain, not with analysis, not with trying to understand it, not through just talking about it, but actually feeling it. Listen, I know it's really uncomfortable to go back and feel pain that you felt as a child or that you felt as a young adult or that's attached to something really, really traumatic. But you're feeling it anyway. You're feeling it 24-7. It's just repressed. And so it's so much healthier to actually go into it, feel it fully, go into the depths of it with self-compassion so that it can come up and out. And you can do that. I, I guide you through it in Expectation Hangover. You can do it in Personal Mastery Course. You can get a coach or a guide to work with you. Somatic therapy is really, really, really helpful with that. But when that pain doesn't have a way to express with compassion... It just sits in there dormant and it continues to drive so many of our choices and our behavior. To talk a little bit more specifically about the work I did with Steve, 
First, it was really helping him see that he split into two parts, that there was this part of him that was this loving, sensitive, empathic kid that decided to survive. He had to become a fighter. He had to join a gang and be tough and be protective, and that was the only way he could survive. That, on top of never feeling like he had his father's love, never feeling like he had that approval, because the love from a father especially is what makes us feel safe. So he didn't feel safe at home, and then he didn't feel safe in his environment. So he had to become this whole different person just so he could become safe. And he adopted this very protective mentality that then he had to deal with the death of his girlfriend and his protective mentality was questioned, which means he had to amp it up even more, which took more energy to repress all of his pain. So now he's at this point in his life where he just feels this calling to do work, to help people with releasing their pain, where he can really be compassionate. But until he integrates that inside himself, it's going to be harder for his not only his coaching career to be effective, but for him to feel at peace in his life. So this whole kind of thing about feeling, oh, now I care what people think of me, really that was just external reality mirroring an internal reflection. He was really starting to care more about what he thought about himself. He was really starting to care more about feeling that self-trust and that compassion again. And so it's important for these two parts to integrate, for that protective part of him, which is a useful part to integrate with the compassionate part, the sensitive part, the vulnerable part of him. And when it comes to pain, to shift it from looking at, all right, I'm going to annihilate it, I'm going to kill it, I'm going to go after this pain, I'm going to fight this pain, which is a very kind of masculine, dominant way to go after it, versus I'm going to welcome this pain and I'm going to have compassion for it and I'm going to bring love to it. Because do you know what's stronger than any kind of force and any, any kind of annihilation? is love. Love and compassion is the strongest thing that we have to access to. There's nothing more powerful than love and compassion. So if Steve can feel his pain, but bring that love and compassion to it, not only will the pain start to lift, but he will become so much more powerful. Another thing I want to highlight, especially for you coaches out there and for a lot of you that have done a lot of personal growth work, is you don't want to coach your way through pain. A lot of times when the pain starts to come up, we bring all of our personal development awareness and we become this coach, which is more of an analytical approach to the pain. You just want to allow yourself to fall apart. You want to allow yourself to be messy and just have compassion with it without getting to the understanding that this is the reason this happened and I need to reframe my story. That can come later. First, you need to really feel the pain. And if you can relate to Steve and that you, you had a parent or parents where you were constantly concerned about how they were perceiving you, you were, you were consistently looking for their, for their love, for their validation, for their attention, know that you also have that observer part of you. There's a part of you going through your life, experiencing what you're experiencing, but then there's this, also this other part that's always looking for, where's the love? Where's the validation? Am I safe? Am I being seen? What are people thinking of me? When's the other shoe going to drop? And so that observer tracker part that can kind of keep you on high alert, that can run anxiety, and it can also perpetuate a really, really fierce inner critic. So you want to thank that part of you, 
thank it for protecting you for all these years, but really, again, go into the pain and go into the compassion and have the compassionate part of you, the part that can hold space for you, become bigger than this observer tracker. Because once you have that part of you that can really hold the space for all your pain and really trust you, then you don't need that observer anymore. You don't need that person, that part of you tracking. Once you become that parent to yourself that you've been looking for outside of you, then there's nothing that you're looking for outside of you anymore. And there's that peace and that self-trust that you start to feel inside. So have you checked out the Perez Hilton podcast for a little guilty pleasure? Each week, Perez is joined by Chris Booker to bring to you the best news from around Hollywood. What's hot, what's not, and what everyone is talking about. You'll never know where the show will end up. So check out the Perez Hilton podcast weekly on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to Over It and On With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.